This recording begins with a reading of the Gospel of the Day. That will be followed by the homily from Father Paul O'Brien. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field, which a person finds and hides again, and out of joy goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant searching for fine pearls. When he finds a pearl of great price, he goes and sells all he has and buys it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net thrown into the sea, which collects fish of every kind. When it is full, they haul it ashore and sit down to put what is good into buckets. What is bad, they throw away. Thus it will be at the end of the age. The angels will go out and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Do you understand all these things? They answered, yes. And he replied, then every scribe who has been instructed in the kingdom of heaven is like the head of a household who brings from his storeroom both the old, new and the old. The Gospel of the Lord. That first reading is from the first book of Kings in the Old Testament. It's set in the 10th century before Christ. It's about King Solomon. King Solomon is the king of the United Kingdoms of Judah and Israel. In the passage we just heard, he is a new king. He's quite young. He's in his early 20s. God appears to him in a dream, and God says to Solomon, ask me for something and I'll give it to you. How Solomon responds to that invitation from God very much reveals who he is at this point in his life. First, he clearly already has a relationship with God because he knows that this is real. It's not just some crazy dream. He has the basic maturity, which you can have when you're eight years old, to know that he can't ask God, for, he shouldn't ask God for something that's not of God. God is not going to give him something that's evil or that could be ungodly. God reveals, when he responds to Solomon, that Solomon has many good things that either are or could be connected with God for which he could ask. He could ask for a long life for himself. He could ask for riches. He could ask for the defeat of his enemies. What he actually asks for is, he doesn't just do the, the uh, request first, he acknowledges who he is and who God is. He says, I am your servant. You're the one who gave me this position of king over people who are too numerous to even count. I don't know how to act. He's not putting himself down. He's a young person overseeing this vast kingdom. I do not know how to act. So he asks God to give him an understanding heart. That means wisdom at the core of his being so that he can judge his people correctly and he can know right from wrong. God responds to this entirely positively. God says, because you've asked for this, I'm going to give you the gift of greater wisdom than anybody who's come before you. Wisdom is a gift from God that is to know how to live practical, down and dirty life, daily life, to know right from wrong, the right choices to make, to pursue God, and to serve other people, and thereby to become happy and fulfilled and powerful. Wisdom is not just a bunch of 
principles. Wisdom is a grace that contains a power of determination to actually do the right thing. So he's given this gift of wisdom to understand what the truth is and the determination from God to live a good life. If he does this, he is going to be happy and fulfilled, and other people are going to enjoy this grace in the way he interacts with them. This is the beginning of the rest of Solomon's life. And in many ways, many of you are familiar with Solomon from the Scripture. In many ways, you can read the story of the rest of his life in the Scripture based on whether he continues to value wisdom as having the greatest value of all the gifts God has given him or not. Sometimes Solomon continues to value wisdom as the greatest gift, and wonderful things result from this. During his reign, there is a very positive political consolidation in these two separate kingdoms. That's great for everybody. He rules over a unified Jewish people. That is great for everybody. He does remarkable construction projects. He's the one who builds the temple in Jerusalem, the single most important building on the planet at that time. He expands international trade, and this brings in all sorts of revenue for God's people. This is really, really good. God guides him in how to develop these negotiations. And you probably remember from the scripture, he frequently has very difficult questions posed to him and by valuing wisdom as the most important gift he's got, he's able to come up with really godly, intelligent decisions. That's all real. You may also remember from the scripture, and this is why Solomon is so great, it's very realistic, it's true. This man is quite complicated, and this man very often ends up not choosing to value wisdom as the greatest gift and all sorts of darkness results from this in his life and the lives of his people. So for example, he, there are foreign religious practices that come into his kingdom. He knows if he follows wisdom, if he values that more than anything, I am the Lord your God, you'll have no other gods before me, but he chooses very often not to follow wisdom to value other things more. And so these bad, idolatrous practices come into his people and his life, and they dilute the true God in people's lives. He has 700 wives. I know this is 10 centuries before Christ. God's revelation about marriage is not entirely clear. 700, I mean, one marriage, kids, I think is challenging enough. 700 wives. And 300 concubines. Why would you need 300 concubines to get away from the 700 wives? But this is all just sick. He chooses to allow his sexual deviance to become more important than wisdom. God's wisdom would always tell him one wife, no concubines. But he chooses, and it's horrible for his people, it's horrible for him. He in those big building projects, often employs very cruel, forced labor, totally unjust. He imposes horrific taxes on his own people. 
and goes on to found the Democratic Party in Massachusetts, by the way. But at any rate, he imposes these, I'm sorry, true, horrible taxes on people. He is very unjust in the way he handles internal dissent. And he makes enemies, unnecessary enemies, from other countries. So, this man knows that the young Solomon, that's really who he is. The older Solomon, that's really who he is. Interestingly, all through his life, he has a long life. All through his life, he has riches. All through his life, he basically has the defeat of his enemies. The reality of his life and what those things turn out to mean is very much determined about whether or not he continues to value wisdom as the greatest gift. When he does, he's happy, he's powerful, he's fulfilled, and his people are as well. And when he doesn't, he's miserable, he's a sick human being, and he really makes other people suffer. It's not neither here nor there. His choice to not be the person he can be, to not value wisdom as the greatest gift, really affects other people. So I hope you can see the connection here. In the gospel reading we just heard, Jesus, the Son of God, so we're still in Matthew 13. Remember, we've been hearing from this section of the gospel the last few weekends. Matthew 11 to Matthew 13, the gospel writer emphasizes how many people encounter Jesus 2,000 years ago, one-on-one. -on -one. They hear his preaching, they witness what he does, and they freely, knowingly reject him. Jesus, in the passage we just heard, there are two images at the beginning of that passage about the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, I think we almost all know this around here. It's the central theme of all of Jesus' teaching. The kingdom of heaven is the final stage of humanity. It begins with Jesus. Anybody who freely chooses to accept Jesus as the Messiah, to become his disciple, to live as his follower, becomes part of the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. This begins on this planet and it ultimately becomes eternal. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a person who finds a treasure buried in a field. The treasure is of the greatest value. That person buries the treasure, makes a plan, goes and sells everything else he has because everything else is not equal in value, and he goes, he buys the field, and he gets the treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like a pearl merchant who finds a pearl of great value. He makes a plan. He goes and sells everything he's got because they are not of equal value. He buys the pearl and he gets the greatest valued pearl. A person who understands that Jesus Christ is the savior of the world, who understands that he invites everyone to become part of his kingdom now and eternally by choosing to live today as his disciple should be like that, should be like that. Most of you know this, and I certainly know it. The greatest gift that God gives us is the invitation to salvation by being authentic disciples of Jesus Christ. If I am an authentic disciple like Solomon, just about wisdom, 2,000 years ago, like the people who first hear Jesus, all the more today, I should get it, 
make a plan to pursue the kingdom today, execute that plan, and experience being part of the kingdom. What Solomon was given is nothing compared to what you and I have been given. He was given real wisdom. We have been given the fullness of the truth through Jesus Christ. So I invite you to take that this week. Anybody can grasp this, and you have to figure out where you stand on this. Perhaps you are like the young Solomon. I always celebrate how many people in this community, young people and many older people, really do treasure the kingdom of God as of the greatest value in their lives. I see it in how you live. This is the value. Other things are in their proper place, and we are working to build that kingdom now. If that's you, I hope this is very encouraging, particularly when you see all the other crazy people on this planet. Blessed are you. Perhaps you are like the older Solomon. I mean, look at the older Solomon, and I think, what have you done with your life? Just stop. That was really you. You still have this within you. Just stop and cut out all the garbage and get back to who you have actually been. I look at Solomon. I'm so interested in Solomon. Like, just reform your life. And then I realized he died almost 9,000 years ago, and maybe I should pick up a mirror. So if you are like Solomon, if you have become corrupt, if you are not the Christian you once were, stop. Just be honest about this. You can change today. That really was you. It really was you, and it can be you again today. And lastly, just if we spend some time on this, so many people need help. So many people need a reminder. This is so straightforward to share with others. Get out there and share. You have been listening to Father Paul O'Brien, pastor of St. Patrick Parish in Lawrence, Massachusetts. For more information about the parish and to get involved, please go to stpatrickparish.com or follow us on social media. Thank you for listening.